good to be back here all together, um, having missed last Sunday because of the retreat. So it's really great to be back here and worshiping all together and being here in God's presence and singing, being before God's word. On different Sundays, I do different things with the message. Some messages I do some teaching and then I give you guys something to do. This message when I give it, is actually going to be something for you to think about, something for you to consider, something for you to remember, perhaps a perspective change. Today's going to be more of a teaching time. Tomorrow is Memorial Day, right? It's a national holiday, celebrated. I know some people have off. I know some people have to work. But it always comes around at this time of year, Memorial Day. And what I want to share is that this is a national marker in our history of our church. I mean, of our our country, excuse me. It began to be observed um, in various forms in the 1860s. Sometimes it was called Observance Day, and people would go and uh, decorate the, uh, the graves of military people who died. Sometimes it was called Decoration Day. Um, But now we call it Memorial Day, and it's particularly to commemorate and honor the men and women who died while serving in the military. So that's Memorial Day, and that'll be tomorrow. And I want to say something actually about signs and symbols entering into Memorial Day, because tomorrow what you'll see is a lot of flags. You'll see a lot of flags up and around where you are. Maybe in your neighborhood, you'll see people um, putting flags out in front of their house to commemorate Memorial Day. Or you might see flags on flagpoles. But you won't see the flags at the very top of the pole or at the very top of the mast. They're going to be flown at half-mast. What happens on Memorial Day for these flags, is actually when they're put up the flagpole, they're raised all the way to the top in the early morning when they're put up. And then from the top, then they're slowly raised down to half mass. That is the way that flags are put up as a sign and symbol. Now, now why, why, why why do we do that? Because when the flags are at half mass, it's a reminder to honor and remember the men and women who died while in military service. And that's Memorial Day. It's different than Veterans Day. It's different than these. But that's what happens for Memorial Day. And this sign, the flag, this symbol at half mass is what's meant to remind everyone in the United States of our national story. It's a sign and symbol of men and women who sacrificed for our country. In the same way, within the Christian church and among the followers of Jesus, we also have signs and symbols within our story. If you think about the Christian faith, and I ask you, what signs and symbols come to mind that tell our story, not our story as a nation, but our story as a church, our story as a people? What are the signs and symbols for us? What what might you... What might you answer? 
Like some people would say, they might say the cross. I mean, up here behind me, we've got the cross. So that's certainly a sign and symbol. Some people might think of the fish. Some people might think that that is a sign and a symbol. If you're more from a Catholic background, you might think of the crucifix. That would be a powerful sign and symbol. Various icons or various images. One of the signs and symbols that we regularly participate with here at GRX are right up here at the table. These are the elements of communion. We have the bread and we have this cup. These are for us signs and symbols. And like the American flag during Memorial Day that evokes sacrifice, these signs and symbols remind us of sacrifice. These signs and symbols remind us of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And that's what I want to teach us on today. That this sign and symbol, this bread and cup in our story, like Memorial Day, is a sign for us to remember. It's in remembrance that we remember Jesus. And particularly, I'm going to share about three things that we remember about Jesus. We remember about Jesus and his sacrifice. We remember about Jesus and his community that was ushered in with this communion. And then the third thing, we remember his salvation. His sacrifice, his community, and his salvation. We'll be participating in communion next week. The first Sunday of the month at GRX, we participate in this sacrament, in this act of worship. So as I'm teaching you about this, know that we're moving towards communion. We are moving towards this act of worship that'll come up next week. I'm going to be teaching out of Luke chapter 22. This is where Jesus himself uses the bread and the cup to teach about himself. Now, before we actually read this passage, let me give you a little background about what is happening around Jesus and what is happening in the room where he is going to be doing this uh, communion with his disciples. Jesus is in Jerusalem at a time that's called the Passover. This is the Passover feast that all the Jewish people were celebrating. What's significant about the Passover is that this is the time, and this is the celebration, this is the holiday that the Jewish people gather around, and they participate in a very specific meal, and they remember God's provision and God's care for them as a people. It's called Passover because this meal, this special festival, commemorates when God rescued the Israelites from the slavery in Egypt. And in that story, God brought 10 plagues on the Egyptians in order to show his power and to cause the Egyptians and Pharaoh to release the Israelites who were under slavery. But Pharaoh was not releasing the Pharaoh was not releasing the Israelites. And so God brought these 10 plagues and the last plague was going to bring death on to the firstborn. What happened, though, was that 
God told the Israelites, paint a blood covering over your doorposts. And then that spirit that will cause the death will pass over those houses and those houses will be spared. But the houses that don't have that marking, then those houses will experience the plague. That was the last plague. And that's why Passover is so profoundly celebrated because it's a sign when God spared and rescued Israel by passing over them. And then the plague was inflicted on Egypt. So they are, Jesus and his disciples, his 12 closest friends, are in Jerusalem and they are celebrating the Passover meal. They're gathered around the table. And then with that, let me share with you Luke 22, 19 and 20, where they were around this table, they were celebrating the Passover meal. And then this is what Jesus does. And Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this, and see what he says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And in these simple verses, we see Jesus beginning and instituting what we now celebrate as the Lord's Supper or as communion. Now, if you know the story of Jesus, you know that in this room with the 12 disciples, all kinds of stuff happened around the passion and around the Easter story. It is from this room that Judas leaves from the table and he betrays Jesus. It is right after this that when they go out, Jesus is arrested and then put on trial. And then he's abused. And then he's crucified on the cross. And then he dies. All of that happens right after this. All of this happens right after and so these words, this is my body broken for you, this is, my, this is the cup poured out in my blood, all of this is foreshadowing what's going on and what's going to happen with Jesus. And this is the first thing that we remember about Jesus, that when we celebrate this communion, we remember his sacrifice. We remember that it was Jesus himself, his body that was broken for us, and it was his blood that was poured out for us. That's what Jesus is wanting us to remember when he says, do this, participate in this act of worship in remembrance of me, that his real body and his real blood were poured out out of love and out of sacrifice for each of us. And when we participate in the communion, we remember that. We remember his sacrifice for us, giving his body and his lifeblood. But when we do this communion, we also remember his community. Jesus at the time was surrounded by his 12 
closest friends, his disciples that had journeyed with him, that had walked with him for three years. It was a little bit like you were on a three-year-long retreat with Jesus, right? You'd be sleeping where he slept. You'd be eating where he ate. You'd be watching his healings. You'd be watching him turn the water into wine. You'd be watching him raise people from the dead. You'd just be on this big, long adventure with Jesus where you were spending time with him, where he was teaching you, where you were learning from him, where you were growing in fellowship with one another, where you could walk alongside him and see how he lived, see how he rested, see how he taught, see how he loved people. Now this community is in Jerusalem. This original community is selling, celebrating the Passover. And they're celebrating the story of how God provided for them. That's what this community is doing. All of these things are operative in the community that was surrounding Jesus. When I think about our GRX community, and I think about the 12 that were there with Jesus, I think a lot of the things that those 12 shared are the same kinds of things that we share and that we celebrate in our community. Like they were remembering the Passover and the way that God provided for his people. We as a church community remember different times when God provided for us. And we share those stories with each other. When we gather in our life groups, when we get together with our small groups, we remember together ways that God provided for us. In the same way that the disciples learned from Jesus, we as a community, we learn together from God's word. We walk with each other. We celebrate with each other. We experience trials and struggles with each other, even conflict. The disciples certainly had conflict with each other. And as a church community, we certainly can have conflict with each other. These are all of these things that are brought together in the community surrounded by Jesus. And just like the 12 came and gathered around Jesus, so too are we gathered and brought together. You know, when we administrate um, or administer the gifts of communion, and a pastor will come up and, and begin, many times the pastor will say these kinds of words. Jesus invites to this table all who earnestly repent of their sins. And did you catch that? Like this, this common language, it is Jesus who invites to this table. Because that's what this table is about. It's not, it's not me saying, okay, we're all going to do communion, so I'll come on over. I'm not inviting. It's Jesus who invites to this table. In the first communion, it was Jesus who broke the bread for his disciples. It was Jesus who taught what the cup meant. It was Jesus who brought that community together. And in the same way, it's Jesus who brings this community together. I mean, you might have come to GRX because somebody invited you, but you yourself are on a spiritual journey 
You yourself are on your own journey with God. You yourself are on your own journey, and you yourself have your own relationship with Jesus Christ. And you are here because of Jesus. And the person next to you is here because they're on their own journey. And they're here because of Jesus. And the person in front of you and behind you are here because they are on their own journey with Jesus. And it's Jesus who invites each one of us into this community. And that's why it's Jesus who invites to this table. And so in this time, we remember his community. Now, I want to do say something about this community. That maybe God has you here at GRX in this particular time to be blessed by this community. Maybe that's why God has you here at this particular time, 2018, because God wants you to be blessed by this community. Now, I'm also going to say something else associated with that. Maybe God has you here at GRX in 2018 that God might use you to be a blessing to someone else in this community. God might have you here so that God might work through you so that you might be a blessing to someone else in this community. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever come on Sunday morning thinking, I am here because God wants to work through me to bless someone here. That's what it is to be invited into God's community. It is Jesus who invites us to this table and Jesus who invites us into this community. And that brings us to the third thing, to remember that it is his salvation that we find here at this table. This whole scene takes place. This whole scene takes place right before the cross when we remember the salvation of Jesus Christ. But I want to I want to unfold for you guys here something that I think is even more profound and we would have caught this if we were Jewish. But I'm not Jewish. So I had to learn this from a Jewish scholar. Now, I kind of look out, and, and maybe some of you have Jewishness in your, in your history, or Jewishness in your study, or Jewishness in your background, and you might know this already. You might, you might have grown up participating in the Passover, and you might know this already, but I found this so interesting. So the Passover meal, what these guys were celebrating, and what this Jewish scholar told me, the Passover meal is actually divided up into four cups of wine. There's four cups of wine that mark different stages in the Passover meal. Now, you have two of those cups of wine before the meal. And with every cup of wine, something is read. Something is prayed. A bit of scripture is read. And each cup is sort of known for something. And then, after the meal, you have the third cup and then the fourth cup cup. When we read this account out of Luke 22, there's something that the gospel writer Luke says, and it's almost like a throwaway. 
It talks about how Jesus broke the bread. And then in verse 20, it says this throwaway line. After the meal was over, he took the cup. After the meal was over, he took the cup. What's that mean? That means in the Passover meal, the first two cups, then the meal, then the meal was over, he takes the third cup. So when Jesus takes the cup, he's not just taking any random cup, he's taking the third cup. Now what's so important about the third cup? In a Passover meal, when the third cup is taken, the reading comes from Exodus 6, 6. And this is what that reading says. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. If you were Jewish, you would know that. That Jesus, after the meal was over, takes the third cup and you'd be expecting him to say, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. That's what you would have expected him to say. That was the promise of God to his people, Israel, who were suffering under slavery in Egypt. Jesus takes the cup and he says, this is the cup of the new covenant sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. It's the new promise. Jesus is saying, you guys already know the third cup. This is the old promise. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. But Jesus is saying, I'm giving you a new promise that will be sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. You have a new promise. You have a new salvation. And that's with me. This is communion. This is our sign. This is our symbol. And the Lord's Supper, which we will celebrate next week, is the communion where we remember Jesus and his sacrifice, his community, and his salvation. The Apostle Paul also teaches this, writing a letter to the church in the city of Corinth. Notice how when the Apostle Paul writes about this same thing, giving instruction to the church, how you should worship, how you should celebrate communion, how should you come into this, he talks about how much we should remember Jesus, his sacrifice, his community, his salvation. The Apostle Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 26. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, the new promise. I will redeem you. It's a new promise. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this and often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We remember. We remember. We remember his death, his sacrifice, his communion, as we all take from the cup together. And then we remember his salvation. So today and tomorrow, when you leave from here and you go home, you drive around, you're going to see many signs and symbols. You're going to see many flags. And those flags are for Memorial Day, to remember the sacrifice of men and women who died while serving in the military. And in the same way, what I wanted to teach you today and what I wanted to help you see is that when you see those flags and remember the sacrifice, that you might also remember Jesus and his great sacrifice to us. We'll be celebrating communion next week. We're moving towards communion. We're moving towards this remembrance. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you give us the gifts of these bread and the wine to remember you. God, thank you that you call us into a deep worship, a deep love, a deep celebration, a deep gratitude for all that you've accomplished for us. God, I pray that we as a people might receive all that you have for us, that we might receive your sacrifice, that we might receive your community, and we might receive your salvation. In Jesus' name we pray.